0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to, uh, what is it, episode 16? Yeah, well, let's say 16. All right. Episode 16 of the Under Further Review podcast with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. Um, And we're really glad to be back with you. There's been a, we've had a bit of a layoff um, over the holidays, and we may have another bit of a layoff (laughs) over the next holiday, Um, but there's been a lot going on with sports and celebrities and their legal troubles, Um, so we didn't want to leave you guys hanging with our (laughs) uh, wondering what our thoughts were on these. So, um, because we know that you've been waiting, we're really excited to be here with you today. Um, So, first item on the docket um, is kind of a combination of two cases that are um, sort of running through the system in Louisiana right now. Um, The first is the Will Smith um, murder case, I guess it's more the Cardell Hayes murder case. Um, The victim in that Matter was will Smith who played for the uh, New Orleans Saints, and we talked at length about um, this case I think in our last podcast um, but the trial is literally going on as we speak apparently they have Saturday court dates in uh, in Louisiana which seems kind of crazy but Napoleonic <laughs> code who knows what uh, what they'll do yeah no kidding Saturday court
1: dates I mean usually here like Fridays are dark because judges have other things to attend to as opposed to like the trial that's
0: going on. Right. I think sometimes they'll have like, I mean, they have like night court if you get arrested for like drunk and disorderly, but having like a full yeah, on trial on a Saturday seems <laughs> quite unusual. Um, and sadly, there is another case that, while not um, technically related, is dealing with some of the same issues as we're seeing in the Will Smith trial, um, Cardinal Hayes trial. Um, and that was the death of um, former New York Jets player and um, USC Trojan Joe McKnight. Um, he was sh- killed during a road rage incident by a man by the name of Ronald Gasser, um, who whatever relevance this may have to the story is um, white, Joe McKnight was African-American. Um, Mr. Gasser has been charged with manslaughter. Um, I, I believe that happened earlier this week. Yep. And uh, so that case is just kind of kicking off. But um, sort of in contrast to what we saw at the Cardell Hayes-Will um, Smith matter, um, Ronald Gasser was, he was taken into custody and then released. Released. Mm -hmm. um, And was, I'm still not sure that he's been, you know, arrested and taken into custody without being subject to some kind of bail requirement. I think he's still out pending um, the start of trial.
1: Yeah, and on that, I think that his bond to be out on his own was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I know for Cardell Hayes, I think that if he tried to bond out at the time to be released it was like 1.5 million, or at least that's what was the okay. number. I, yeah.
0: Um, and what uh, makes these two cases sort of similar is that the, um, shooters in both cases are relying on Louisiana's very, very broad stand your ground law to justify, um, the, the killing of the, uh, victims in these matters. Um, And what I thought was, so I guess to take a step back, um, the sheriff that's addressing the Joe McKnight-Ronald Gasser case gave a completely unhinged press conference um, earlier this week. I was, uh, I guess I had the misfortune of watching a big chunk of it live. And when he started reading internet comments that included homophobic slurs, the station I was watching just shut it off. Um, But before he, you know, kind of lost himself, um, he made what I thought was a pretty interesting point, which is in Louisiana, as we've discussed previously, has this really broad stand-your-ground law that you can basically stand your ground anywhere. Um, anywhere. Which seems a little crazy, but the law is the law. Um, and the point the sheriff was making was that, yeah, this process took some time because he, the, the shooter is saying that he felt threatened and was standing his ground. And if we just arrested him... Um, without kind of running through an investigation of whether his belief um, about his standard ground rights was legitimate, then, you know, that could have kind of set the prosecution down a path that they couldn't recover from, um, which, you know, I, I guess I hadn't initially, it seems like some guy gets shot to death. um Out in the middle of the street, like, why is it the person who shot him being arrested immediately? So I thought, well, that's, you know, not living in a state that has a Mm -hmm. huge, you know, very um, expansive stand your ground law. I thought that was kind of an interesting point. He then went on to say that race has nothing to do with this and, you know, kind of took a a veer off into um, topics that aren't really legally related. Um, But what I think both. Jen and I thought was interesting is there wasn't that same, um, concern about, well, what if he had a legitimate stand your ground, um, rationale for shooting, um, someone, uh, when we were talking about Cardell Hayes and Will Smith.
1: Exactly. So the fact that the point is well taken in that, yeah, you don't want to, I hate the phrase rush to judgment, but in a, in a state where you're allowed to kill people, um, <laughs> because you have this defense of standard ground or the justification of standard ground the idea that you do want to figure out what happens before you arrest and charge someone that same thoughtful process was not applied to Cardell Hayes he was arrested on scene he's been in jail since that night I don't think he was ever like out on he no. was ever released before he was charged with second-degree murder um, And so it's not so even if the policy or the the process behind it is thoughtful and good. It's not being applied universally and um, And that's to me the most not the most problematic part the most problematic part obviously are there's two young men who are dead now, but um, that's that's just a
0: a Problem of injustice right and I think you know in addition to sort of the the Inconsistent application of this standard of we have to do a full investigation with respect to the validity of the stand your ground defense. Um, you know something else that came up in um, Sheriff Norman's press conference was you know he basically said well listen you know uh, Ronald Gasser did the shooting but you know both of them behaved badly. Um, allegedly this the the shooting happened after a road rage incident where Joe McKnight may have cut off Ronald Gasser which set him off becoming so angry he shot somebody, but setting that aside. Um, and, you know, the the reality is that it sounds like it was a pretty similar um, situation to what happened with Will Smith and Cardell Hayes. There was mm-hmm. some driving incident, road. you know, people were getting pissed off that, like, someone's cutting them off, stopped short in front of them. And, again, you know, there's not that um, – no one has said, well, Will Smith acted like an asshole that yeah, night too. Yeah, acted poorly that evening as well. Um, and, you know, setting aside just kind of the double standard – that seems to be apparent in these cases. Um, the idea that the sheriff is getting on television and basically saying the victim of this crime was also a bad actor, I mean, there can, I would have concerns about jury tampering. Like, how are you mm-hmm. going to get a jury that, I guess, maybe it's just an issue of kind of appearance as opposed to a practical um, issue with not being able to get a jury that can view this case objectively. But yeah. it certainly seems like... That was a completely unnecessary comment to make, and you've now colored the whole jury pool mm-hmm. in thinking that Joe McKnight did something wrong mm-hmm. that could yeah. have led to his getting killed. Yes, yeah, so could, that could have justified the, the the standing of the ground, right? Yeah. Um, and so part of by arresting Ronald Gasser, I, I've seen a lot of questions in the in the media. Uh, and by that, I mean, like people who are reading this and are like, how did this guy not get charged with murder? Um, I think the the rationale is that, you know, manslaughter and it's kind of most basic terms is someone died. You killed somebody, but you didn't mean to do it.
1: Yes, that there it's the um, that it's the being provoked to rage. Your emotions are blinding your rational self part. And so it was, it, it was reactionary versus something that is premeditated and thought out and willful. Um,
0: or making, I, uh, you know, an unreasonable belief that you are under threat, which is where um, I think they've gotten the, that's where the charge against Ronald Gasser comes along. That like, even if he truly, in his heart of hearts, in his brain, believed that he was being threatened by Joe McKnight, that mm-hmm. belief was Patently unreasonable, um, and so that's why he is being charged with manslaughter. I think, as opposed to murder, um, which requires a much higher standard for intent. Mm-hmm. Um, which it sounds like the police and prosecutors in New or-, or, excuse me, Louisiana. I'm actually not sure if it's technically New Orleans. Um, uh, I think they can they can meet um, in Louisiana? Though manslaughter still carries a maximum sentence of 40 years in jail. Um, so to the extent, I mean, we're a long way from, um, getting to trial and getting through this process, but to the extent Ronald Gasser is, uh, convicted of manslaughter, um, even though it does sound like a much lesser charge than murder, he could still be spending a significant amount of time in jail.
1: Um, so sort of dovetailing with that, the Will Smith trial, the Cardell Hayes trial is going on as we speak. Uh, Cardell Hayes is on the stand, being questioned by the prosecution. Um, he uh, was already questioned by his own attorneys in his own defense this morning. Um, just keeping in mind that Louisiana is three hours ahead of. Could a- be two. Two. Oh yeah, it okay. could be two. Well, several hours <laughs> ahead of us. So um, I think. So as we're talking, I think they might be still well into him being cross-examined. But um, I think a lot of the media's focus on this trial, aside from the fact that Will Smith was this quote-unquote beloved character in New Orleans, um, the courtroom has been packed by former and current New Orleans Saints players. Uh, I know Drew Brees and Steve Gleason and Sean Payton and Deuce McAllister um, and other Saints players, former and present, are in the courtroom every day during this trial. Um, And Deuce McAllister was actually called to testify um on Will Smith's you know, for the for the prosecution and and I'm assuming it's for character character issues because it didn't seem to indicate that Deuce McAllister was at the, the yeah. scene yeah. of the crime mm-hmm. or out
0: with him that night,
1: right? Yeah. Um but one of the I was reading a bunch of articles yesterday, but one of the funniest quotes that I came across and I um and I apologize for not attributing it properly. Don't want to be accused of plagiarizing or anything like that. <laughs> um
0: is it plagiarizing if it's not written? And <laughs> um, I should probably know that as both a lawyer and a human, but. <laughs> um, I don't know. Anyway, um, go ahead. <laughs> but the
1: quote is, uh, and this is in reference to uh, Mr. Hernandez, who was either in the car with Will Smith or in one of the cars that was involved, involved. in some of the traffic incidents. it at least Hernandez did, ripping off his shirt, and he said because he thought a street brawl was about to begin. His behavior that night, which concluded with him fleeing in a taxi, ranged from erratic to menacing to ridiculous. So, And I can't remember which uh, news article I read that from, but that was pretty hilarious.
0: Erratic to menacing (laughs) to to
1: ridiculous. That's great. Yeah.
0: Um, Nothing says street fight like a grown man ripping his shirt off in public. And then fleeing by taxi. Running away. (laughs) Yes.
1: Um, so
0: oh, Lord okay
1: <laughs> yeah so I think this I think they were going through some of like the forensic evidence with uh, Cardell Hayes on the stand essentially trying to um, determine or having testimony about like how how Will Smith could be shot once in the side and seven times in the back and like you know sort of the physics of that if, if he's alleging that he's like
0: reaching into his car to get a gun to confront Hayes and, so. And I wonder if, because I know his wife was shot in the leg, and I don't know that there was any um, evidence that she ever tried to get out of the car, so I don't know how that factors into to it, but it sounds like Kim Kardashian, who is a good friend of um, Mrs. Smith, hasn't been at the, the trial, so I'm sure that would bring a whole new level of uh, insanity. insanity to Kim
1: Kardashian actually has some own family
0: issues going on. She does. Poor Kanye. <laughs> um. Um not to revisit our I know we spent a lot of time <laughs> recently talking about Kim Kardashian and her legal issues, so we don't have to revisit those, but
1: um so <laughs> the will the Cardell Hayes I sorry, don't mean to keep calling it the Will Smith, the Cardell Hayes trial is ongoing. Um and we will probably have updates if it doesn't conclude by the time we talk to each other again. So, I suspect that we will. Yeah. Um so that's just that's just one of the many, many, many things that are going on. Um, our second topic is um, about Bill Cosby.
0: <sighs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Deep
1: breaths, everybody. Um, so, but we're not we're not going to talk extensively about the trial and all of the allegations and the years of all of this coming out of the woodwork and 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 what's going on with him. But there was an interesting evidentiary issue um, that was ruled on this week and actually a second one that will be forthcoming I think in the next week. But in 2006, he was sued civilly by a woman named Andrea Konstad who alleged that um, he drugged her and sexually assaulted her um, while she was unconscious um, in about 2004. At the time, uh, I believe the, um, prosecu- the the prosecutors didn't believe that they had enough evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he did these things because she had come forward I think two years after uh, the time in which it happened so a lot of physical evidence was lost and so, so at the time there was no criminal, criminal charges right. against Mr. Cosby. Um, But she did sue him civilly and as part of her civil lawsuit, uh, they subpoenaed Mr. Cosby for deposition and he showed up and he sat through...
0: I don't... It was many days, right? I believe so. It was like four days, I want to say? Right. So he... um, This was in the deposition. I think she... uh, Ms. Constant actually filed suit against Cosby in 2005 because the deposition I'm looking at, it's dated September of 2005. But um, yeah, it was a very extensive deposition. And um, Bill Cosby, uh, following the dictate that you have to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth... Appears to have done exactly that, and um, the statements that he made in this deposition, I mean, they're they're damning. They're yes. just, it's really, uh, it's troubling. I mean, mm-hmm. it should be troubling to anyone, is just like human beings, that there's somebody out in the world who thinks this way, but more problematic for Mr. Cosby is that it certainly seems to um, support the allegations of these now, I think, 60 women who have come out and said that he drugged and assaulted them, mm-hmm. that... That's something that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of, uh, I guess the, the money quote from this is uh, a question by uh, Ms. Constance's attorney. When you got the quaaludes, was it in your mind that you were going to use these quaaludes for young women that you wanted to have sex with? Cosby answered, Yes. <laughs> I don't know in what planet people think that it's okay to, or that Bill Cosby, i shouldn't say people, but that anyone would think that it's okay to drug someone and then have sex with them without yes. their consent. Or,
1: yes, the fact, no, because I think if you read, I at least, I read a little further down and basically sure. the fact that they weren't physically fighting him off or saying no was his signal that they were consenting because they were drugged <laughs> yes. so
0: heavily they literally could not have fought back even if they wanted to which it sounds like at least ms Constand did
1: apparently uh, he that that connection was not made in his brain that like you can't actually consent when you're unconscious um great. so yeah so so, <laughs> so there yeah so
0: uh, <laughs> but i i feel like i should i just Doing this for my own um, self preservation, I guess. I, I'm laughing out of horror instead of crying, not because any of this is funny. This yeah. is really, this is how we cope. Awful, exactly. Yeah. Um, We're like Mary Tyler Moore giggling at a funeral. So <laughs> it's. <laughs>
1: um, so he was deposed. They, uh, Ms. Constan and Mr. Cosby, arrived at a settlement during this process, so it never actually went to trial. As part of the settlement, for an undisclosed amount of money. Um, All of the records were sealed, and um, I'm sure she signed a confidentiality non-disclosure agreement, and that stuff is fairly standard. Um, But anyways, all the files were sealed. They were apparently stored in some secret impounded file room at the U.S. District Court in Philadelphia.
0: And apparently Bill Cosby thought that as part of this sealing, he also got immunity from criminal charges. Yes. Um, which the current now the the district attorney in Philadelphia is not the same person who is the DA back when this civil suit was first filed, mm-hmm. but the current DA is saying that never happened, um, and I, it seems very odd to me. I mean, maybe not so odd, but it would seem weird to me that the uh, criminal. Uh, that the DA would step in and provide immunity as part of a mm-hmm. civil case mm-hmm. settlement. But,
1: um, yes, there's no written agreement. Yeah. There were no verbal promises that were ever memorialized about this sort of immunity from prosecution. Um, anyways, these deposition testimony, this deposition testimony sat in this impounded file room in Philadelphia for years. And what happened in, in the interim was that Bill Cosby went... And actually did his first, like, it was called the Gettosburg Address, but I forgot where it took place. I want to say maybe at Temple, because that seems like a lot of stuff related to Bill Cosby happens there. But he started basically railing against making very critical marks about the African-American community and responsibilities and... um, you know about the ones the quotes that I remember about like people whose pants, pants are falling were, yeah, down, and wearing yeah. ba- You know backwards baseball caps and um, you know being responsible for children that you father and it, so he Basically went on a crusade for a very long t- for a number of years about these issues He
0: turned himself into a public moralist, which um, has since come back to haunt him mm-hmm. um, Because there's a reporter at the Associated Press who, um, had been kind of doggedly pursuing these cases, um, you know, although a huge number of accusers have come out quite recently, there were always, there long before there had been whispers about, um, this was like a terribly kept secret in in Hollywood. I'm doing air quotes. Yes. Um, um, so this reporter who I believe, Her name is escaping me at the moment, but um, she, excuse me, Mary Claire Dale had been petitioning the judge in the Constand civil case to release the deposition transcripts Mm -hmm. and was going after this for, you know, 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finally, in 2015, she um, sort of reasserted her efforts and the judge finally caved for lack of a better term, in part because... Bill Cosby had made himself sort of a voice of public morality, Mm -hmm. which the judge determined um, diminished his right to privacy. Uh, The quote from the judge... Um, was that there's a stark contrast between Bill Cosby, the public moralist, and Bill Cosby, the subject of serious allegations concerning improper and perhaps criminal conduct, is a matter to which the AP, and by extension the public, has a significant interest. Um, So then it appears that the um, documents were released. The New York Times pulled them off of the court's
1: so um, so the documents were taken out of this impounded <laughs> file room, and then they were uploaded onto Pacer, which made me giggle, because we use Pacer all the time. Um, and then the New York Times basically bought a, tr- a copy of the transcript.
0: I think it's um, like eight cents a page or it something. Is. It was a
1: thousand pages, so this was not a, you know, a slight undertaking. It was... Nah. Um, a thousand pages and they just bought it from the court reporting service that had recorded it and transcribed it. Um, Cosby's lawyers went and tried to get the deposition resealed of course. course. Um, But the court reporting and tried to get the court reporting service to stop releasing copies but it was too late because once the New York Times had it Can't get that toothpaste back in the tube. (laughs) That's right. Um, and it's been endlessly reprinted, and it's—but that's been—I mean, so it's been floating around since 2015, which is when a lot of this stuff all came to a head. Right. But the big—the the issue that we are focusing on today is the fact that this week, um, the judge in the criminal uh, case against Bill Cosby said that the deposition— Uh, Testimony could be used at his criminal trial.
0: And that's where this immunity question comes into play because Cosby and his attorneys have taken the position kind of from the Mm get-go that you you can't prosecute me for this. I had immunity based on my settlement in the civil case. I'm using the first person as if I'm talking like Bill Cosby, which makes me feel gross now, so I'm going to stop. But um, certainly that concept has been sort of blown out of the water. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, these... You know, certainly I don't know that there's anything in the I will admit I have not read the thousands of pages of transcripts. I don't know that there's anything that's so clear as to say that, you know, Bill Cosby admitted to drugging Andrea Constant and oh, like having specific sex with people,
1: her. Yeah, as opposed to a general pattern. Exactly. Of behavior. Mm-hmm. But this
0: looks very I mean, this is this is he's in he's in a bad spot and um, you know, probably deserves to be, but um, It's, I just thought it was, I think it's just interesting the kind of evidentiary issue that this was something that, you know, you you have to tell the truth in depositions. Mm -hmm. Um, He thought this information would never see the light of day and um, got a very sad surprise this week. Yeah,
1: Um, the surprise next week uh, (laughs) revolves around um, trying to determine the number of uh, witnesses that that will be called by the prosecution to show a pattern of behavior. So I think the prosecution has asked for 13, um, and I'm sure Bill Cosby's defense team is saying zero. But for sure. So the judge will make that decision in the coming week, I believe.
0: Um, and that's also that's also an interesting. So typically, you know, you can't use people's behavior outside of their the the issue that they're being kind of accused of mm-hmm. to prove that they committed the crime that they were accused of, but there are um, certain exceptions to those evidentiary rules, and I'm sure that's what the prosecution is trying to um, fit their yeah. argument under. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see how how that goes. I mean, go talking about kind of poisoning the jury pool, I don't know how there's anybody they could get to sit in the jury on this case who has not heard, even if the people can't testify, um, but yeah, someone I who... Mean- isn't at least peripherally aware of the fact that there are you know dozens and dozens of women who have now accused him publicly mm-hmm. of um, rape through drugging them. Yep. It's not just like rape in general. It's a very it's a very specific, specific pattern yes. of mm-hmm. what his kind of mo um, allegedly was. So um, it
1: would be interesting, and I know that it would be difficult to tell because these events have happened over the course of the last, what, 30 years or something. I think it dates back to like the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So 40 so, years. That's crazy. But, you know, in his deposition testimony, um, I believe he makes a specific reference to Quaaludes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what? not to say that that's a signature like knockout drug or anything, but that would be, that would be interesting to know if, if that was.
0: Which was uh, uh, based on my... Frequent watching of almost famous was a <laughs> um, heavily used drug in the seventies. So he, uh, it seems like he picked a picked a pattern and stuck with it. So
1: yeah, well, I mean, this the Konstad uh, assault was in two thousand and four. So.
0: Um, so for anyone who is interested in more information about this, um, matter, the, uh, New York Magazine did a phenomenal story, um, interviewing Bill Cosby's alleged victims. So if you want to take a look at that, Mm -hmm. it was really, um, troubling, but moving. And, um, I think it's important, you know, there are a lot of these women who have not had their voices heard for 30, 40 years because a powerful man kept them down and, um, Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It certainly seems like the walls are closing in around Mr. Cosby. So
1: yeah, it's and he's, I mean, he's been in court on these and other related issues for a number of years now. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. And plus, he's also been paying off these women and the
0: children that he's fathered as a result of some of these relationships for many, many, many years. I know. I remember back. Oh, I can only remember that her first name was Autumn. But Autumn his, Jackson. Yes, his child who was born outside of his marriage. And how everybody really demonized her and her mother. And now it just... I mean, I think they may have kind of been trying to blackmail him. But that <laughs> yeah, aside... Yeah, I was going to
1: say, there was, there was a little bit of a hinky incident there as
0: well. Everybody bad, <laughs> bad, behaves badly, as Sheriff Newell Norman would <laughs> note. Um, but again, you know, these were people who that their methods are for not, uh, wasn't what they were saying. It was how they said it, I guess. Um, but even then, you know, this is proof that this was a daughter that he had outside Mm -hmm. of his marriage and not that I would necessarily judge anybody for that, but as someone who's taken the position as sort of the, uh, King moralist for, um, uh, I guess just generally he's got better morals than everybody else, and clearly Mm -hmm. he didn't, and there's literally human evidence of that, so um, he probably should have calmed himself down and just hung out at his big farm in Massachusetts, and none of this would have happened. So so
1: switching gears, um, Matt Barnes and Boogie Cousins um, had a civil lawsuit filed against them on Wednesday in New York for an assault that allegedly occurred on Monday night.
0: So this was all very real quick. Fast. Yes,
1: real fast. Um, the quick sketch of the story.
0: Um, so uh, Matt Barnes, you may recall from his uh, our earlier discussion about his alleged assault of Derek Fisher, who was allegedly dating Matt Barnes' estranged wife. Um, I don't know that that part is alleged, is it? Oh, maybe that's not alleged. I I guess they, well, yeah, why the hell else was he at her house? So Derek Fisher was dating his, um, Matt Barnes's estranged wife. Um, Matt Barnes showed up at the house and tried to beat up Derek Fisher, allegedly. And when asked about it, Matt Barnes's response was, violence is never the answer, except sometimes it is. Um, And that seems to be how he continues to lead his life. (laughs) um, Because there was an incident at the... Avenue Nightclub in New York City, where the Kings were, I believe, playing the Knicks. Correct. Um, Matt Barnes. So the story goes that Matt Barnes was choking a woman at some point. Then he choked another woman. Jasmine. Jasmine. Uh, Besiso. Uh, Besiso. who... Um, while he was choking her, a man by the name of Myrone Powell tried to step in to separate them, at which point Matt Barnes and Boogie Cousins, his teammate, started beating the hell out of Myrone Powell. Um the under i guess uh unsurprisingly the videotape from inside the club uh (laughs) doesn't show you much because it's very low light and um when jen and i were discussing this before we got online um, my question was why don't they have like night vision on the (laughs) security cameras because obviously in a club like the lighting is going to be horrible Mm -hmm. but um, that might just show my ignorance of technology um Anyway, the, the two players were then um, a little, apparently escorted out of the club. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the police were called. There are no criminal charges pending at this time. At studio, um, okay. It appears because at this point there's not sufficient evidence to kind of move forward. Um, it is It seems to be a somewhat of a he said, he said, she said um, situation. Mm-hmm. Although there are pictures of at least Mr. Powell, um, who clearly got the crap kicked out of him by somebody um, so uh, since there was I guess there was no criminal prosecution happening um, these two plaintiffs have um, filed suit against Mr. Barnes and Mr. Cousins.
1: yes. For you know, compensatory punitive damages in excess of seventy-five thousand dollars, which is I think the minimum that you need to file in federal court. In federal court. Yeah. Um, so the, in their in their complaint, they've just asked for you know damages to be determined at a later date or awarded by a jury. So um,
0: Matt Barnes does have scratches on his neck, and he is alleging that um, Ms. Beciso started the fight that he got like knocked down and beat up by a bunch of assailants and that boogie cousins was on the opposite side of the club the whole time had nothing to do with this.
1: Oh, I, Oh, I, I had read that boogie was on the opposite side of the club, but I thought he came to rescue Matt Barnes because he was getting beaten up by all of these, uh, these unnamed
0: assailants. That may be true. Um, yes, I apologize. Boogie was on the other side of the club when the altercation began. Mm -hmm. Um, and then club security escorted, um, I think everyone's in agreement that the two basketball players were escorted, escorted out, out of the club, yeah. whether it was for their own safety or because they were attacking other patrons um, remains to be seen. Yes.
1: So uh, the suit was filed on Wednesday. There's really not a whole lot that's happening right now in terms of um, you know the process. There will be at least a chunk of time before they have to
0: answer The complaint usually it's about at least a month month. I would think if they don't get an extension yeah
1: and then discovery will start and so but uh, anytime between the minute that the complaint is filed till when this all ends you know they will they can try to settle it and I don't know if it is a situation where these two plaintiffs are truly aggrieved and and were um, assaulted for no reason by Matt Barnes in a club or if it's a money-grab situation because You're in a club and you see someone famous and you're like, oh, I can.
0: Someone famous who has a public history of acting out Mm -hmm. violently against people. So yeah, yeah, he, Matt Barnes may just be an easy target here, but we don't, we just don't know without um, any real delving into the facts besides Mm -hmm. what's been reported in the news and what's in the complaint, which is obviously um, slanted for the best spin for the plaintiffs at this point, so
1: Except for the coverage in Sacramento.
0: Well, that's, yes, that's true. The Sacramento, the CBS Sacramento, um, has, uh, certainly gone all in with their hometown boys, um, Matt and Boogie, and they are, um, that's the news outlet that appears to have reported that there are witnesses who said that Ms. Basiso was the one who kind of started the fight and that Matt Barnes is actually, sounds like he was more of a victim than an instigator, um. But I guess you could say CBS Sacramento might also have a reason to want to paint these two guys in the best light possible. So um, we're living in a post-fact era, people. (laughs) never, never know. Um,
1: So our last uh, big story that we wanted to talk about was um, Sofia Vergara, who is the star of the sitcom Modern Family, a very... Uh, a very attractive woman who is married to Joe Mangiello. I never actually said his name out loud before, so I don't even know if I pronounced his last name correctly. No,
0: he was on True Blood. and uh, Magic Mike. And he was the bartender on One Tree Hill for a little while. I think that was his first <laughs> big break on TV. Also on How I Met Your Mother. Um, so, yes. Oh, He's yeah. <laughs> um, back to me now. Um, anyway, two very beautiful people who are now married, and, um, yes, yeah, Sofia Vergara still is fighting her previous fiancé over what to do with um, some fertilized eggs that the two of them had, uh, I don't know what the right word and, yeah. is for that, that... <laughs> Basically, the, underst- the understanding I have from court documents that have been filed are that um, Sophia Vergara and her ex fiance a guy by the name of Nick, a businessman by the name of Nick Loeb, um, had uh, developed these fertilized embryos with the plan of having a surrogate carry them to terms so that they could have children. Um, they then broke up, and the status of the fertilized embryos has been up for debate ever since. Yes. Um, so Mr. Loeb sued Sofia Vergara. Well, to take a step back before we get there, the, as part of the fertilization process, um, Nick Loeb and Sofia Vergara signed a contract that said, among other things, that, um, these embryos couldn't be implanted into a surrogate without the consent of both, um, both parties, both parties. So when they split up, um, I would say, understandably, Sophia Vergara didn't want to have a baby with Nick Loeb anymore and didn't want to have you know kids that were half her DNA wandering out in the world mm-hmm. um, without her consent, involvement yes. and consent. Um, so she has refused to... Mr. Loeb wanted to have them um, implanted in a surrogate, and he would raise them... Um, she is not consent. She did not want to consent to that.
1: Correct. Uh, her position is that they should just remain frozen for all time, I'm, and um, and so they would just be property out there um, that neither one could
0: do a, yeah to um, access. So, Mr. Lowe made a number of allegations in his lawsuit, among other things, that he signed the yes. consent form under duress because
1: he was being physically and emotionally abused by Ms.
0: Vergara. sorry (laughs) that was i yeah um i my understanding though is that there may have been multiple consent forms that he signed which kind of undercuts his uh his position that she you know figuratively held a gun to his head to sign the thing
1: or Um, that like he didn't understand that at some point if they broke up that he would not have any right to to these fertilized
0: eggs i think his legal argument is basically the uh, kind of boils down to this consent form doesn't say what happens if we are no longer in a relationship i'm not sure it indicates that they had to be in a relationship to sign off on the document in the first place but um so his position is because the the agreement is silent on that point that he should get to do what he wants with the with, with, the with fertilized, fertilized eggs. eggs,
1: so in a weird twist, um, these fertilized eggs are now suing Sofia Vergara. <laughs> I just love that headline.
0: And they are—they've been named by the plaintiff in this new lawsuit, Emma and Isabella, mm-hmm. probably to try and make the whole thing even weirder. But um,
1: yes, uh, so uh, this lawsuit is being brought in Louisiana by a pro-life group, and they represent these fertilized eggs. Because in Louisiana, fertilized eggs are, what are, they're...
0: Juris, juridical persons. Yes.
1: So apparently they have legal rights. So, so
0: yeah, in, throughout the country, it's our understanding that embryos, which I don't know really, if these are technically embryos because they these haven't are, been implanted. Correct. These are like pre-embryos. Right.
1: They're ovo something or other. Rega-
0: this particular type of biological material is treated as property until it becomes a human... Child, Um, and so certainly, uh, I think as it goes without saying, property and people have different rights under the law. Um, But the um, the plaintiffs in this Louisiana case have are saying they've set up a trust for the benefit of um, Emma and Isabella, and that by not being born, they are being denied their right to their inheritance. Um, and in Louisiana, although it's my understanding that they the, the, the eggs are still treated as property, they nonetheless have uh, broader rights under the law than in a lot of other states, which is why um, the... Lawsuit was likely filed there. And although Nick Loeb is not named as either a plaintiff or a defendant, he's not a party to the case, Uh, the sense is that he is somehow behind this. Um, He did attend college in Louisiana, and he remains a reserve police officer somewhere in the state of Louisiana. So he's got connections to the state. Um, However tenuous they may be. Right. Um, So there there is a belief that he's somehow behind this um, part of the relief that they're seeking in the lawsuit is for Mr. Loeb to be given um, custody of the fertilized eggs so that he can do with them what he wants, presumably have them implanted in a surrogate um, and born, so that Mm -hmm. they can get their money that this trust is set up for them.
1: Yeah, it's actually a very fascinating world of sort of legal issues and medical issues and like medical ethical issues um that uh that people are like hip deep in for Sophia Begara's fertilized eggs
0: right and uh she has certainly moved on with her life um and it doesn't seem like Nick Loeb can let this go i think i
1: think i think i think the trial that uh the suit that he brought against her i think it starts at, like the end of january for some reason, like January twenty third, sticks out in my mind. So maybe there will be some sort of resolution. Um, and this is the part that focuses on what the contract says and, and how to interpret the contract in terms of uh, what to do with these fertilized eggs in the event
0: of you know them no longer being together. Um, I guess I would also note apparently in, uh, there was a there's a chain of text messages between Mr. Loeb and Ms. Vergara prior to when the lawsuit kicked off um, where she was refusing to have the embryos implanted and just wanted to keep them frozen. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Loeb texted her, now what? You can't keep four frozen lives forever or kill them. We will go to hell. To which Ms. Vergara replied, we're going to hell regardless. So huh. that's um, it's a little dark, but she's definitely, stand- not to overuse the term standing your ground, but um, she seems to be really standing her ground on this and mm-hmm. not not wanting to have babies that she doesn't want, so it's... Yes, or, or
1: babies that she has no control, control or say or input in having, right. I mean... Um, so I didn't know very much about Nick Loeb, um, prior to him.
0: I think he his, tried to run for Congress in Florida at some point, but that's basically all I known about um, him. So
1: th- the one thing that stuck out to me when I was reading a little bit about him is that he is the son of a former U.S. ambassador to Denmark, and he tried to make a name for himself with his fried onion condiment called Onion Crunch. Didn't go anywhere, so. Is that like the onion version
0: of bacon bits or something?
1: I'm assuming that's what it is.
0: Um, yes, and when Jen was telling me about that, it reminded me of Sean Blumberg from Felicity, who spent four seasons trying to get now I can't remember what the heck the name of his condiment was, but it was some kind of like mayonnaise um, replacement. Um, but anyway, it's uh, um, Sean from Felicity is one of my favorite characters. Nick Loeb is not a person I would want to. I would never say is a favorite of anything, so I guess I shouldn't compare the two. <laughs> Um, so those were like the
1: four big stories that we had, um, to talk about. There's a lot of stuff going on. The major league baseball just signed a new collective bargaining agreement that goes for, seems like forever. And there's a lot of interesting stuff in the new CBA. We haven't gotten through the whole thing yet. The one thing that I did note is that, um, the all-star game no longer determines home field advantage during the world series. I think the thing that means the most to the viewing public. There are a lot of changes to like international player rules and things like that. But um, to the public, it's it's about uh,
0: that home field advantage thing. And it it seems like there's a lot going on with collective bargaining agreements and the you know major sports leagues this week um, with the NHL. So um, not to belabor this too much, but um, NHL players have been playing in the Olympics for quite some time now. Um, that Participation is not guaranteed in perpetuity, and there is a question about whether the um, NHL players will be allowed to play in the um, upcoming games in 2018. The owners are not really interested in that. They see it as a huge expense without getting much of a benefit back, and it's a big risk to a lot of their star players. Mm -hmm. Um, Allegedly, there was an offer made to the NHLPA that we will give you – will guarantee participation in at least the games in South Korea if you agree to an extension of the CBA. Um, Now, there are provisions of, there's a long history on NHL uh, contract negotiations, but part of um, the, when they had the long lockout in 2004, 2005, um, one of the big gives that the Players Association made was to have this escrow system set up where a, a significant chunk of their pay is held in escrow all season. Um, nobody really likes that. <laughs> I, yeah, the face Genevieve's making—it's—it's it's crazy. I don't it's, like that. Yeah, yeah. Allegedly, it's a way it's in case you know uh, revenues tank that the um, owners can kind of stabilize things. I don't know why you would sign a like an individual player contract and then have a quarter of your money taken away for nine months. But anyway, um, the point is that it sounds like that's something that the NHLPA is going to be trying to fight to at least cut back on, if not get rid of entirely. Mm. So they were not real interested in signing any kind of extension extension. that didn't address that issue. I think the commissioner, Gary Bettman, is now trying to say that that's not really what the conversation was to the extent that it even was a conversation. Um, So we'll see where that goes. I cannot remember if the NHL CBA expires at the end of this year or next year, but... um, Um. We, is
1: it calendar year or season or? Um, I believe it's, the calendar years come the end of the calendar years. Right, of as it, I
0: recall, it ends in like mid year. Okay. So it's not. It may be like a June thirtieth expiration, but it's not. It's not tied to a calendar year. It could be fiscal year for the NHL. Okay. I'd have to. I can look into that. And get back to everybody in the next uh, pod.
1: Smoothies is what it was called. Yes. <laughs> so, um, in case you're all very curious, what's the name of? Sean's condiment.
0: Sean's condiment that never, never took off. Never
1: went anywhere. Um yeah there is there's been a lot of other stuff going on too that, I'm of course drawing a blank at time that I'm not supposed to be drawing a blank but um so we'll either follow up with that um or if there's things that are happening we'll talk about them next time but that's pretty much all we have for today
0: um so thank you all for listening if um between now and our next uh next podcast you want to reach out to us you can do so at our email further bg at gmail.com um, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at ufR underscore bG um, and at our website under further review -bg.com
1: uh, yeah that's how you can find us we hope that you enjoyed our podcast and if you could possibly, we would entreat you to leave a review on iTunes for us because so far we have gotten zero
0: reviews. Only good reviews, though. (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, yeah, really. We like to focus on the positives, but at this point, I'm just sort of happy if anybody leaves a review. Um, So uh, please do so. We'd really appreciate it. Um, Otherwise, we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye.